The scripture today is from Luke 5, verses 1 through 11, from the New Living Translation. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Good morning again. Today we begin a four-week series called Disciple, Perfection Not Necessary. And we will be looking at one of Jesus' disciples, Simon Peter. Now most of the twelve disciples are scarcely mentioned by name in the Gospels. John, who was believed to be the beloved disciple, is mentioned about 20, 20 times by name as is Judas Iscariot. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, is mentioned a whole 12 times by name. And, but then we have Simon Peter, on the other hand, who is mentioned over 120 times. Plus, Peter is the leading figure among the 12 disciples in the first half of the book of Acts, where we see the birth of the church and the growth of the church and, the, and there are two New Testament epistles that are attributed to Peter. And then Paul, he recognized him as one of the pillars of the church entrusted with taking the gospel to the Jewish people. In fact, in the centuries following his death, it was Peter who was considered Rome's first bishop and founding pope. So here we have this very important figure in Jesus' ministry and in the life of the early church. And most of the time when we see a, such a person as this, such an important and influential person as this, we hear their courageous and, and faithful acts, and we don't really hear about their mess-ups and their foibles. But the exact opposite is true of Simon Peter. 
Over and over and over again in the Gospels, Simon Peter is portrayed as this flawed and imperfect disciple. He seeks to follow Jesus, but then time and again we see him struggling, afraid and uncertain. And I wonder if if he's portrayed this way because Simon Peter himself told these stories as a way to connect with people and to say, look, we all struggle with these things. We all fail as ordinary followers of Jesus. He showed that you don't have to be perfect in order to follow Jesus. You can screw up, you can doubt, you can stumble along, but what matters is what we also see in the stories of Simon Peter. What matters is the courage and our determination and our faithfulness to God throughout all of the stumbling and the doubting and the foibles that will happen. The early church knew that, yes, Peter was the one who denied Jesus on the night that he was arrested. But they also knew that that wasn't the end of his story. That Peter would go on to be the rock upon which the church was built. That Peter would lay down his life for the gospel. Ultimately, Simon Peter is seen as this picture of what we might aspire to be when we are empowered and we are led by the Holy Spirit. No matter the the stumbles, no matter the doubts, that we are faithful, that we are obedient, and that we are determined and courageous in our following of Christ. Let's pray. Creator God, I pray that you calm our minds and you open our ears so that we may hear your voice speaking to us this morning. Open our hearts so that we might receive the message that you have for us today. May your spirit empower us to live in light of your gospel message, declaring its truth with our words and embodying that truth through our actions. Amen. Today's scripture reading that Ruth read for us is actually the second time that Simon meets Jesus. The first time they met, they were with John the Baptist on the edge of the Jordan River when Jesus himself was being baptized. And in that first meeting, Jesus gives Simon a nickname, Peter, or Petros in Greek, which means rock. And in this second encounter, I wonder if Jesus now is calling Simon to live into that nickname of rock, of something solid and foundational. There's a lot in today's scripture, but I would like to focus mainly on the first part, where one morning we see Jesus teaching along the Sea of Galilee. And large crowds began to press in on him. And we can imagine Jesus going, edging farther and farther and farther back until the water is lapping on the backs of his legs. And he's thinking, okay, um, what do I do now? Because these people desperately wanted to hear his message. And so Jesus sees four fishermen, Simon and Andrew and James and John, and and they were standing nearby with their hired men. They had just come in from fishing all night long, and they were cleaning and they were mending their nets. Now, they hadn't caught anything, these four fishermen, and so we can easily see them sitting around in bad moods, 
not really talking to each other, just focusing on the task at hand, grumbling and fixing their nets so that they can go home. They were tired, they were discouraged, and they just wanted to be home. But then Jesus comes along and he boards Simon's boat and he says, row row, row out a little bit for me so that I can speak to these people so that they can hear me over the water because they keep crowding me in and I'm going in to the water anyway. And this is a very inconvenient moment for Simon because after this long and fruitless night of fishing, Jesus is asking Simon Peter for help. He's saying, hey, Simon, can you do me a favor? And I can imagine that Simon Peter didn't actually want to do Jesus a favor right then. But we know through psychology, there's all of this, um, these, these studies around the fact that one of the best ways to build a relationship with someone is by asking them for help. It can be something very simple. We know uh, the old adage of going to a neighbor and saying, hey, can I borrow a cup of sugar? And asking to borrow his boat, Jesus here, he knows he's being inconvenient, but he wants to invite Simon Peter into his movement, into what he is starting. Because he says, Simon, you are going to be the rock. But we see if we put ourselves in Simon's shoes, if we're frustrated and tired, and most likely he was probably hungry at that point too. And, and if Jesus asked us for something when we were feeling like that, think about that. Simon knew who Jesus was. He, his brother Andrew, and the first time they were introduced, Andrew introduced Jesus as, this is the Messiah. But still, I can't imagine that Simon Peter was jumping up and down and saying, Oh, oh, Jesus, pick me. You can come on my boat. I want, I, I've been out all night and I'm exhausted, but I will sit with you on a boat all morning while you preach and I will listen and I will not fall asleep, I promise. I don't feel like that's actually what happened. Or maybe I'm just like, I'm putting myself in the scripture because I feel like, no, I would, I would want to go to sleep and also eat food. A few weeks ago, Russ came home early from a long day at work, and I was getting the kids ready for bed. And he walks in, and I looked at him, and I said, okay, do you want to do this? Do you want to put the kids to bed? Or do you want to go drive to the church and get my computer bag that I left in my office? And he very quickly chose to go get my computer bag. Um, And after arriving at the church, not a long drive, quick drive, he realized that he didn't have the right keys to get into my office. So he drove back to the house. He grabbed the keys and he went back, came back for the bag because he's a good husband and I love him very much. He was walking out of the church and he was ready to go home. He was tired. Being a chef, it's a very strenuous job. He was running all the time. And so he was ready to get home and relax. But he felt this nudge. There was a group of guys that were standing over by the bike pad, the new bike pad, and he felt this nudge to go say hi to them. Now, usually, Russ can strike up a conversation with anything or anyone, but even he has his limits. Nevertheless, he followed that nudge and he went over to the group of guys. 
Now, it turns out that it was a few men from one of the AA groups that meets here regularly. And they had a great 15 or 20-minute conversation about really nothing at all, just getting to know each other. And as Russ turned to leave, he heard one of the guys say, it was really nice of someone, for someone from the church to say hi to us. And it doesn't, that instance doesn't seem like much, but it was that extra step to help those men feel at home and to feel comfortable in this place. At another church, a woman named Paula had a heart for developmentally differently abled adults. So she got a group together and they provided a weekly Sunday school for them. They worked with their caregivers uh, of the adults to figure out ways to get them to church. If they needed rides, they organized that. And they sat with them during worship so that they could help them and guide them. I'd often see them uh, with these students and while they were working through some type of drama, they were mad at each other or whatever, and they were helping them and guiding them through them. And, and they would go after worship and they would get coffee for them and help them get their donuts. Paula and the other volunteers could have decided that they wanted to worship by themselves so that they could fully focus on what was going on in the worship service. They could have decided that they wanted to get their own coffee and they didn't want to really deal with helping somebody else getting their coffee. But they allowed Jesus to inconvenience them, to break into their life. And and I know that those students that they had, their lives have been changed because of it. And then I just heard a story this past week of a woman here from Brexville UMC, who while two of her sons were were struggling with with different things, she took in her two daughters-in-law, and she took in seven grandchildren in total, and they stayed with her for several years while they all got back on their feet. Now that doesn't necessarily sound like the best way to spend one's retirement. However, she was allowing God to inconvenience her so that those children and and her daughters-in-law could feel God's love and support. Jesus, we know know two things about Jesus. Well, we know more than two things, but right now I'm going to focus on two things. One, Jesus loves us, right? The little VBS kids made sure I knew about that. Loves us all the time, no matter what. Second of all, we know that Jesus also loves to inconvenience his followers. And our task as Jesus' followers, is to pay attention to what is happening around us, to see those guys out on the bike pad and say, oh, you know, I I feel this nudge. I'm going to follow that. Because then we're actually called to do what God is nudging us to do, do what God is asking of us. Jesus asks us to give of our time, and sometimes Jesus asks us to borrow our stuff, like he did with Simon Peter, borrow his boat, in order to accomplish what God has in store for the world. God likes to use our skills and our abilities or whatever is at our disposal that we can offer to God. However, even though it's Jesus who's asking, like Simon Peter knew this was the Messiah who was asking, we know who Jesus is, but it can be 
difficult to say yes, and we can be reluctant to, to help Jesus, because we are real good at making excuses. I'm just, I'm too busy today. I don't have time. I can't, I can't do that, God, because I don't have the exact gifts, and, and I don't feel confident in those gifts. God, I can't afford to give. I don't, I just don't want to do it right now. Can you please ask me later? In the next part of today's scripture, we see Jesus tell Simon Peter to take those freshly clean and mended nets and to go out into the deep water and to cast them. Now, Simon here, we would, we would think, oh, he's a disciple. He's just going to say, okay, and he's going to go. No, Simon Peter is also a person. And so he says, he responds to Jesus with all of the excuses. So I've been out all night, Jesus. Nothing has happened. I just cleaned these nets. I don't want to go. I want to go home. But then finally, he ends with, but if you say so. And we see that by trusting Jesus, by saying, but if you say so, and not living in those excuses, that they go and they catch so many fish that nearby boats have to come and help them gather all of them together. Sometimes we don't want to do what God is asking of us. We want to live in our excuses. We want to live in our comfort zone. But what would happen if instead of ending our conversation with Jesus with all of those excuses about what we have planned and what we want to do, what if we ended with, but if you say so, Jesus? That takes trust. Trusting Jesus, our Redeemer, the Son of the Most High. But it's trusting that, that God has a plan that even though we might not know what it is, it's most likely better than anything we could ever imagine. How would we be blessed? How could we participate in blessing others if we ended that conversation with, but if you say so? I'm reminded of, I shared some of my call story um, on my first Sunday, and it was over many years of going back and forth with God giving God all of those excuses that I had. But then finally, I remember driving in my father-in-law's van. I was driving to YSU to go to classes. And I remember having that argument with God and saying all of the excuses over and over again. Excuses that God had heard from me many, many times. But then I finally said, okay, I'll do it. It was my own way of saying, but if you say so, God, I'll do it. And then a whole new world opened up. And I had this assurance that even though I had no clue what I was doing, that it was going to be okay. That God was going to do God's magic. And that my life would be transformed. And that hopefully others' lives would be transformed. What if, what if you said yes? What if you said, but if you say so, Jesus? 
What of yours is Jesus asking to borrow this morning? You might not have a boat, but I'm sure that you have something. I I wonder if there's something on the edge of your mind that you're thinking about, but you're trying to ignore, and you think that if I don't look at you, then maybe God will ignore it. But God's going to hear that. God's put that seed there. And I wonder what will happen. In this place, in Brecksville, in, in Cleveland, and in the world beyond, if we said, okay, God, I'm going to trust you. If you say so, I will. Let's pray. Creator God. You are the one that put us into being. We know who you are, but God, sometimes we are reluctant to give of ourselves, to fully give of ourselves. Lord, we pray that in this moment that we might surrender. We might surrender ourselves and all of those I don't want us and those excuses might turn into, use me, O God. God, help us to trust you. Help us to step out into faith, to throw our nets out, and great love so that that this world might be blessed through you. We pray these things in the name of our creator, our redeemer, and our sustainer. Amen.